This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Tonight's show is subject to video review. Shouldn't everything be? Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We go into the All-Star Weekend. The Oilers are off, except for Connor McDavid, who will be in the skills competition tomorrow. And then the All-Star game on Sunday. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chad, at 1.30 in the afternoon. Connor and the Pacific Division will play the Central Division. Then the Metro takes on the Atlantic in that three-on-three format. And then the two winning divisions will play. John Scott... That incredible story from the All-Star game two years ago. He will join us in one hour. That'll be fun to catch up with him. I think he's doing a little acting now since he retired from hockey, so that is cool. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 6.08 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Chad Trucker Dave jumping right in on the text line at 6.30, He says, hi, Reed. I've come to the conclusion I shouldn't go to Oilers games. New Year's, I sat through a 5-0 defeat to Winnipeg. The other night on my birthday was like watching the same game 5-0 to Buffalo. But seven straight wins against the Flames and four out of the last five is a positive, still holding on to the miracle of making the playoffs. That is from Trucker Dave. It'll be a miracle if hockey fans are ever satisfied with the video review process. We talked about offside a couple of weeks ago. Now it's goalie interference in the spotlight, and we bring in former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. Uh, Reed, I'm here in Tampa. I'm at the Amelie Arena, Kelly for uh, All-Star Weekend. So I know it's not for everybody, but I do find it's a, it's a real cool vibe. It's a different vibe than a regular season game, so I look forward to uh, the weekends here. You get all the plum assignments, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I get? I get all the assignments. <laughs> yeah, that's right. One way or the other. Day, my friend. Yeah. Well, we got a lot to talk about, buddy. Uh, goaltending, goaltender interference, front and center last night at Rogers Place and other games in the NHL recently. But that, that's one of those plays. So a team is celebrating and it's hold on and then everybody to get back out on the ice and keep playing. Now, look, a lot of Oilers fans uh, aren't happy about it. You're an ex-goaltender, obviously. I'm wondering your take on that play. And, you know, I read the rule for goaltender interference. I suppose if you go down to the actual absolute letter of the rule uh, it, it, it was interference but I, I think a lot of people don't like a play like that seeing a goal taken off the board yeah I'm torn as well and if we go by the rule book as you said I'm in agreement then then that is uh, 
uh, goalie interference, and you can't really mount any sort of argument against that, other than the fact that, to a certain degree, it's not really in the spirit of the game. When you go back a number of years, and there was uh, incidental contact, there was accidental things, there guys like Glenn Anderson is in the Hockey Hall of Fame for going hard to the net, and I think, to me, what makes it confusing is that we still think that that's a, a hockey play, going hard to the net. And and I kind of agree, even though the goaltender uh, might not like it. But I just feel that, you know, in the spirit of the game, it's been around for so long. And just because it's uh, skate clips, uh, the goaltender... Uh, and then the goalie has a hard time making the save, you know. But to a certain degree, he kind of got up again. He kind of reset himself a little bit. So it's a confusing thing. I do understand there's going to be a lot of conversation here in Tampa about it. The managers are going to meet. They're going to have some conversation about the direction they're going to go moving forward with this uh, incident. But uh, just the optics of it as well, they don't look great, right? When team uh, scores and then everybody's standing around waiting to see what happens so it, it's just an awkward uh, situation well and, and to me it's kind of common sense because at full speed it just looked like he cut to the net, created the rebound, which he did. There was no Calgary player complaining about interference, and sometimes you use that as a cue, right? I mean, they, they were leaving the ice. They thought yeah. they'd lost. Yep. The, so, I mean, it wasn't yep. like Riddick wasn't – he was mad. He wasn't mad at being interfered with. He was mad that he let the goal in. So it's just right. – it's it's exactly. sometimes you just think, I don't know, either take the review out or review it at full speed because sometimes I feel like if you go frame by frame with anything – you can find something wrong with it if, if you want. Yeah, and again, I always go back to what kind of game do we want? And I think all of us that watch the game and have for many, many years, we like when there's a, you know a speed, there's passion, there's guys doing things, trying to do something extraordinary like uh, McDavid was trying to do, and then we're kind of punishing them because you know there's just a little bit of contact that never used to bother. And listen, I understand fully about head contact and what they're trying to do, clean up the game, the worry about head injuries and so on, but that this doesn't go into that same category. It's just... Uh, something that I really hope that they're able to get clarif- uh, clarified this weekend, and then we don't have situations like that again. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. So McDavid was would have had the assist on that goal that didn't count. He scores in the shootout, and after he scores, he uh, says to the refs, or go upstairs for that one, uh, and you know I thought I, I you know a lot of Oilers fans are saying good for him. I think that's largely the uh, sentiment there, and he, he did get a ten minute misconduct for abuse of officials. Where I was kind of like, oh really? Uh, I mean, I, you you were always privy to some of the conversations between players and officials. A, what do you think of McDavid doing that in that moment? And he did kind of apologize for it after the game. And B, do the officials right. need to have a bit of a thicker skin in that? Situation? situation oh boy there's a lot to digest there uh i don't think that they need a uh thicker skin i think that uh that did cross the line although i found it very funny and uh that uh, i might have done or some of my teammates might have done because you kind of get in a defiant state of mind and and so you're you're really angry and that's a reaction that sort of comes out it's kind of like chirping a guy you know you sometimes cross the line and and maybe regret it so 
I think there's a lot of things involved in that. Um, the emotion of uh, having the, the goal taken away before. Um, my my number one reaction, though, was I just found it funny. And I thought, good on him. I mean, you can't get away with it for, uh, you won't get away with it again. And the only other thing I wonder, um, on the negative side of it, because he did get the misconduct, will the officials now talk amongst themselves and say, you know what, he embarrassed us? And we're not going to give him any breaks here. We're going to be pretty darn tough on he and his teammates here for the next little bit. I hope that isn't the case, but but it has happened in the past as well. Well, it's, I, I, I know what Oilers fans are thinking when you're saying that. They're saying, what, McDavid's not going to get any breaks? What are you talking about? He doesn't anyway. I mean, a, lot, a lot of Edmontonians are watching the games thinking thinking there could be more penalty calls on McDavid, even though he's usually near the top in, uh, in, in, in penalties drawn. I mean, let me just ask you this. Whether it's McDavid or any other skilled player, Kelly, I think hockey kind of has that mentality. Instead of awarding the star players for being quicker or stronger, they kind of say, well, well, we don't want to call a penalty all the time. we got to make these guys earn it. I mean, hockey, I, I think, has that, and, and that's the great thing about it, it has that work ethic, blue-collar mentality, but I think sometimes it, it yeah. tries to pull the stars back down to everybody else's level. And that's been every single era. So I was at a real unique conversation many years ago with Terry Sinden, and uh, it was really interesting to hear his take because I had same sort of comment that you did just now about uh, the game, the direction of it, how star players are treated and so on. And he reminded me about the early 70s when Boston was at their uh, heyday or an Esposito and those guys. And he said, you wouldn't have believed the abuse that those guys took. And they had to play through it. They learned how to play through it. And that was kind of like the the uh, final test that hey, it's not even though you're that skilled it's not going to come naturally or we're not going to let it come easy to you so and I suppose if you go back even further to the 40s and 50s and so on those guys are telling you the same sort of thing and uh, so it kind of put me in my place kind of put me to looking at things a little bit differently that it's kind of how our game has been and although it uh, it doesn't seem right especially for home fans when you're cheering for your your club team but that's just the way the game has and there's an honor to it to a certain degree that once you finally learn how to play through that then and uh you're considered a true superstar like he is yeah well it was uh it was an interesting game last night i mean but and and just from a that aside, Kelly, yeah, what a great game. I mean, the Oilers didn't have a first period, but but they fought yeah. back. They're still in an incredibly difficult situation regarding the playoffs, but they, they got a, seven in a row against the Flames. I think there might be something mental there for, for the Flames against the Oilers, but that was a great game. Body checks, an unlikely hero with Davidson. I, I mean, Talbot, uh, Talbot made three great saves at overtime that almost get overlooked because there was so much going on. That, that was I think that was the game the fans wanted and deserved after the Buffalo debacle on Tuesday. Yeah, you're right. And that just tells you how good the team can be when they're emotionally invested in it. And that's kind of like the lesson uh, so far their season. That when, when you invest the energy and uh, get mentally prepared, that's the kind of team you can be. So, like you said, it's going to be awfully difficult for them to make the playoffs. But, but it is there. I mean, we do see it uh, uh, often enough that gives you enough hope anyways. All right, Kelly, have a great time in Tampa. I know you're going to enjoy covering the All-Star festivities. Thanks for weighing in tonight, and we'll talk to you again next week, buddy.
You got it. Thanks, Reed. I'll talk to you soon. Kelly Rudy checking in on Inside Sports. Uh, interesting discussions today. I know a lot of you have different theories on what could be done to modify not just goal interference calls in the NHL, but video review in general. You can text those to 63630. I've had someone requesting that I read the actual rule from the rule book about goal interference. It uh, The whole thing is two pages. I won't read the whole section, but I'll read what applied to the McDavid play. That's when we get back inside sports on Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Stroman in the vicinity, digs it out. Tried to center for Kajula once. Out instead to Davidson. It drives, scores again! Brandon Davidson, two goals for the first time in his NHL career! McDavid will charge up the right-hand side with Strom. McDavid around Gaudreau to the net. Shot stayed by Riddick. Rebound, score! Ryan Strom's off the stride, and Edmonton prevails. Four, three, in overtime. After video review with the Situation Room in Toronto has determined there is goaltender interference, we have no goal. Johnny Gaudreau, breakaway against Talbot, backhander denied! Glove save made by Cam Talbot. McDavid, left to right with plenty of speed. Top of the circles, waits, backhander, score! He's in over the blue line, Monaghan, Talbot one-on-one, Monaghan shoots denied! Cam Talbot wins the game! If we would have got a call like that last year, then who knows what would have happened, but... Are you talking about Kessler in Game 5? I'm talking about a few calls last year, but yeah, I think you guys can read between the lines there. But I think that, you know, I thought it was uh, a good goal, but that's just my opinion, not theirs, obviously. I have thoughts, but I'm probably best to keep them to myself. Um, you know, I'll let that speak for, for what my thoughts are. I think everyone just wants, like, black and white, you know? I think everyone just wants it to be goaltender interference or not. I mean, I... I, I I, I haven't really looked at the play. I looked at it for, you know, the replay on the Jumbotron, and, you know, I see myself just trying to make a play at the net, and I'm turning. I'm trying to get out of the way. I do avoid the goalie, but you know, I catch his stick. Um, you know, if I'm a goaltender, I'm just going to start grabbing that guy's feet, and, and, um, you know, and, and I'm going to start trying to sell it. It's Rule 69 in the NHL rule book. Yes, I can hear some of you tittering out there. Specifically... Entry 69.3 in the rule book. Contact inside the goal crease. And like I said, the whole thing, actually the whole thing is almost uh, three pages. But here's what it says for contact inside the goal crease. If an attacking player initiates contact with a goalkeeper, incidental or otherwise, while the goalkeeper is in his goal crease and a goal is scored, the goal will be disallowed. So best I can tell, that's what they applied to that exact play Riddick in his goal crease. McDavid, they say, initiates the contact. Clearly, it was incidental. But but here here's my here's my problem with that. If it's if it's incidental contact, how can you say definitively that the player initiates it? Because goalies are moving their sticks around all the time to try to get positioning or poke check the puck, and sometimes in the process of doing that, they might knock a player who is 
going through the crease or who or who is near the crease trying to get a puck. And, and Toronto had a goal like that where Matthews banged in a rebound and Bernier was trying to move his stick across. Matthews had the position first, looked like a legal position, and Bernier moves his stick into Matthews. Matthews scores. Leafs think they have one, and then it gets called off. Look, it's it, it's it's sad to me that this is happening, and, and I'm not anti-video replay, and I don't mind that they, they've tried it, but there's a, there's a point where the NHL has to admit that fans don't like it, and, and the fans have to be respected here. And, and look, this is, yes, it happened to the Oilers yesterday. It happened with video review on the offside against Nashville a couple weeks ago. But it's happening around the league. And a lot of fans who are just watching games are saying that's wrong. That's not why there's video replay. Video replay is there to correct obvious errors. If, if somehow... You know, Riddick is out of the crease and trying to get back in, and McDavid's standing in his way and pushes him down, and somehow the ref doesn't see it. Okay, review that and disallow the goal. I think the spirit of replay is not to have goals disallowed because of undetectable fouls that uh, that are undetectable at full speed. So if you're going to have video review, review the play at full speed. You can text 630-630. We're also going to go to South Korea in the next half hour. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Okay, lots of time to talk more about the uh, goalie interference and video review stuff. I do have an Olympian on the line that I will get to in a minute here. Just to uh, get to a couple thoughts here quickly, and you can text 630 630, and whenever we get into this, there are always uh, tons of texts. I'm just going to read a quick one here from Jack's mom, who says, in minor hockey, the goalie would have received a penalty for tripping on that call with uh, McDavid cutting through the crease and getting called for goalie interference. Uh, I, I, was, I was talking with Rob Brown last night on, on the show, and he disagreed with me and actually accused me of uh, assaulting the character of the folks in the NHL uh, operations room in Toronto because I said when they challenge a play, they're going to look for every reason to be right. And Rob didn't like that, but that's not what I meant. I'm not accusing anybody of lying or being dishonest, but there is something called observation bias. And the definition is the tendency to see what we want to see or expect to see. So if you say to somebody, I want to review this further for video review for for goalie interference, you're already leaning towards the fact that there was goalie goalie interference. And the fact that that review took over three minutes leads me to believe that they were going to look at it from every possible angle and every possible slowest of motions until they saw what they believe they saw earlier. As opposed to maybe watching it in f- at full speed or a-, a couple of times and saying, oh, I guess not. I guess that's a, a decent play we can let stand. I mean, there-, there should be some sort of a time limit on video reviews. And actually, Doug texted in to that extent, uh, to 630, 630, a one-minute clock on all reviews. If it's not obvious, you stop and the call stands. Because to me, the longer that went, the more I thought the goal was going to be overturned. Because the situation room says, well, we think we saw goalie interference. So we're going to explore every possible angle until we, we see what we thought we saw anyway. 
That's observation bias, and that was my that was my point. You can text 63630. The Oilers report for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We go to South Korea. The assistant captain for the Canadian women's Olympic hockey team, Megan Augusta. Megan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh-oh. Hello? Hey, Megan, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. How's okay. it going? Okay, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thanks for uh, for having me this morning. Yes. Well, <laughs> what, what time? This what, evening. What time is it there? <laughs> it's uh, going on a quarter to eleven in the morning. And when did uh, when did the team get to South Korea? Uh, well, we left on the 24th, and we arrived uh, on the 25th. So we kind of skipped a day. Right. Okay. <laughs> How long was the flight? <laughs> uh, it was eleven and a half hours. Oh my goodness! Okay, so yeah. <laughs> you got to work some of the uh, kinks out, I guess. Uh, exactly. Me- is, is this the fourth Olympics for you, Megan? Yes, I, I'm. I'm heading into my fourth Olympics. It's pretty crazy to, you know, I guess uh, see how fast uh, time flies. But you know what? It's it's an exciting time, and each opportunity I've I've ever had to put on that Canadian jersey, it's been an honor and a dream come true. And you know, this year it's it's a different journey. You know, new team, new memories, and um, I guess I'm really excited to, you know, have centralization, you know, done, and now be here in South Korea, and you know, it's, it's it's go time, I guess you could say. Does it does it feel any different going into the Olympics for the fourth time, or do you still sort of have that sense of excitement and awe? You know what? Um, I mean, I've had many different roles, um, you know, from the time I started till now, and you know, every year has been an amazing, you know like I said, year journey, Um, you know, the memories that you take out of it um, have been unbelievable. And those are memories that you'll never forget. Um, You know, when I first uh, started in 06, um, I had more of a a role where I I brought energy and, you know, now looking, you know, for or you know, my fourth time, uh, so many years later, I bring more of a a leadership role and experience and knowledge to the game. And I think for me, um, I think after taking the year off and, you know, pursuing my career in law enforcement, and then coming back, I've had a different outlook on things. And um, it's not that I took anything for granted, you know, um, coming to, um, you know, being a part of Team Canada in the, in the past and going to the Olympics and representing Canada at the highest level. Um, but I think, you know, now with, you know, going to different calls and whatnot um, on the streets and then coming here and, and realizing, you know, how amazing of an opportunity this is, um, it's, it's been unbelievable. We have an amazing team here, um, very skilled, very talented uh, super speedy, and it's it's an exciting time. It's the closest our team has ever been, and uh, you know we're excited and we're ready to go. And the, the coaching staff has done a fantastic job with getting us ready at the last you know six seven months. And you know now we're we're here, and um, it's real. And you know the excitement has been um, amazing. South Korea is a is an unbelievable place, and we're just enjoying the moment every single day. And um, it's been great thus far. Megan, I'm glad you brought up pursuing a career in law enforcement because that's that's very interesting. Where, where did that desire come from, and and uh, you know how did you you get into that, and and just tell us where it took you. Um, well, ever since high school, um, it's always been my dream to pursue my career in law enforcement. Um, and then when I was looking at going to a university, I wanted to go somewhere where they had a great criminal justice program. And um, I remember being young, and you know, always hearing. And, and seeing, you know, lights and sirens. I was always curious to know where they were going, what they were doing, and, you know, who, who they were, I guess, tending to. And um, for me, it's, it's always been my passion. And so when I went to uh, uh, Mercier's University on a scholarship, uh, which is in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, I knew that they had one of the best criminal justice programs. And 
So I graduated with a criminal justice degree and a minor in criminalistic psychology. And um, it just was a matter of when and where. And after this uh, past Olympics um, in Sochi, it kind of, everything kind of just fell into my lap. I kind of seemed you know, to be like all my um, events were in Vancouver and I just met the right people and um, they said, hey, you should apply if, if policing is something that you want to do. Um, we're, we're hiring. So I ended up applying and I told myself, I'm like, you know what, if, if I get hired, um, I'll definitely make the move and start my career. And um, within three months, I was hired and with a lot of, you know, hard work and, you know, flying uh, back and forth from, I guess it was Montreal and, and Windsor to uh, Vancouver to, to get all my tests and stuff done. Um, it was an amazing feeling to know, like, wow, like I'm actually going to start my career. But I think my biggest challenge was, um, and my biggest fear was having to tell Hockey Canada that I had to take the year off because of Police Academy. And um, I knew I wasn't ready to hang up the skates yet, um, but I knew that if it came down to that and I had to make a decision, that my career was really important and I needed to kind of pursue that. Um, but I can't thank hockey canada enough for you know giving me that opportunity with taking the year off and still wanting me to come back into the program and then you know looking three years later um to you know this past year you know i can't thank the vancouver police enough for allowing me to you know take that year off to pursue my you know olympic career and olympic dream again and yeah you know what it's it's been amazing i absolutely love my job it's not a job for me it's a hobby i i enjoy going to work every single day and i have to say i'm very proud to be able to uh you know say that i work for the vancouver police and represent them well that's that's incredible that you pursue that so you'll be going back into into the police force once these olympics are over yeah so i took a, a year leave uh just to move to calgary to train every single day and i think the biggest challenge for me um, when I originally took the, the job was there's no women's league out in Vancouver. So um, I had to try to find ice. And, you know, while I was in police academy, it was really hard. Um, you know, there was long hours of studying, learning the law, learning, you know, how to qualify and, and use your firearm to handcuffing to, um, I guess, how to use the radio. And it goes on and on and on. And, um, you know, my biggest thing was trying to find ice. And, you know, that first year I played with the Vancouver police hockey team. And it's the it's a men's team. So, um, it was a lot of fun, very, very talented guys, very fun guys um, who, you know, allowed me to play, um, which was uh, pretty cool. And I still play with them to this day, um, you know, minus taking the year off. But um, then the following year, um, you know, with um, having like to being on the road and, and being full time and I guess um, graduating from police academy, I had to find more ice. And um, I went and um Sometimes, you know, because my teammates are on the ice six six to seven times a week. And for me, I was lucky to be on one, two, three times a week. So that was my biggest challenge. And um, sometimes I'd find myself going to rinks and just, like, skating myself on the ice, paying to go, like, at a stick and puck and just staying in the best shape I could. And, you know, let's face it, as a police officer, you're, you're in shift work, right? So you're eating, sleeping, training at different times. And um, that was probably my biggest challenge. But I knew that I was up for it, and I wouldn't change my decision with pursuing my career and, um, living in Vancouver for anything. Right on. Megan Augusta joining us on Inside Sports. She's with the Canadian Women's Olympic Hockey Team. As she was saying earlier, they uh, just rolled into South Korea. She already has three Olympic golds on her resume, so going to be chasing a fourth here. Uh, obviously, a couple uh, weeks until the Olympics uh, starts here. Are, are now, uh, So you guys will be practicing there. Are there going to be any tune-up, any exhibition games? What's going on there? Uh, yeah, we're playing uh, a few exhibition games here uh, versus some um, South Korean uh, male university teams. Um, actually, to, to this afternoon is one of our first. And, um, 
you know what, I, I must say Hockey Canada, you know, we're so lucky to have the resources that we have and, um, you know, the support staff, they, they work so hard and, you know, they, they basically make sure that we're well taken care of and ready to go. And, you know, again, our coaching staff has, um, you know, brought us, you know, to a whole new level. Um, we've learned so much this year and I think that's the best part for me, um, you know, living in Vancouver and not having, you know, a regular team to play on to moving here and being with the girls every single day training hard uh, both on and off the ice and just getting better as an individual but you know when you're when you're getting better every single day you're pushing your teammates to be at their best too and I think that's the thing that I've really loved um, you know this year was you know being around them um, 24-7 and you know just having that team feel again I think that's something that I kind of missed uh, in the past since I've started my career but you know what like we're so lucky to be Canadian and um, again like we're ready we're ready to go we're on a mission um, and it's just we need to take each day at a time and really enjoy the moment because it is going to go by fast and you know being a veteran player and, and having that leadership role you know taking the un- younger kids under my wing showing them the ropes making them feel making them feel more you know comfortable and confident so that they're at their best because we need everybody to win gold here. Well, Megan, man, it's we've never done an interview before. I can, I can just feel your energy and your enthusiasm for the Olympics, and that's really cool. And plus the you know the the passion with your career in law enforcement as well. Uh, obviously, you played the United States in a in a series before the Olympics, including a game in Edmonton. I think you only lost once during that. But now that it's closer to the Olympics, what does that pre tournament success pre tournament success mean against the U.S. You know what? It means a lot, and, and I mean, playing them uh, throughout this centralized year has been unbelievable uh, just to kind of see where they're at, where we're at. Um, but at the end of the day, we haven't played them now for a month and a half, and, um, you know, they're going to be better, um, but we're better too, and we just need to concentrate on, on us as Canada and, and know that, you know, have the confidence um, in knowing that, you know, they are beatable, and we have done it. We've been there. We've done that. Um, but also, you know, not take that for granted. And, uh you know, what we've done in the past is the past. This is, you know, a whole new tournament. Um, and, again, I, like I said, we're ready to go. And I think we're just going to go out and play and, and not think. And I think that's when we're going to uh, do our best and be successful as a team. Megan, I really appreciate you checking in, especially uh, all the way from South Korea. This is really cool <laughs> to have you on the show. I, I hope we can do this again. Obviously, all the best in the tournament. We're all rooting for you. Thanks for letting fans get to know you a little bit better here in Edmonton and Northern Alberta. Awesome. Thank you so much. That is Megan Augusta checking in from South Korea, counting down to the Winter Olympics. She's been named an assistant captain for the Canadian Women's Olympic hockey team. Really cool to catch up with her. And uh, what a resume. She's uh, 30 years of age, has already won three Olympic gold medals. She'll be going for four. It is 646. We're going to see what's uh, going on with an outdoor hockey tournament in the city. I imagine the conditions aren't too pleasant for that inside sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Of course, Letestu scratched last night. Oilers went with 11 forwards, and then we're down to 10 once Cassian got tossed out of the game. Some text to 630-630. Yakishev says, so the officials should take less time reviewing? You know what happens then. People will say they didn't review long enough to get the call right. According to the rule, it was the right call. It's still not as bad as a few years ago when they were calling goals off when a player had their toe in the crease if you compare the game to the way it was then and the way it is now more goals are being allowed Lyndon says I don't mind the video review my issue is the length of the reviews set a time limit or the number of times they can watch a replay 
the Big L says, uh, totally agree with you, Reed. Once under review, the call is submitted to the conditions of the review, which is often an implied contradiction to the call on the ice. In other words, doubt is already a component in the ref's decision. And uh, another texter who uh, often doesn't like my thoughts on video review uh, and doesn't sign his or her name to the text says, uh, Reed, prove the observation bias. Wouldn't it be the call being overturned or confirming a challenge? I agree with Rob. You were just spouting off to fit an Oilers narrative. And then says, uh, I don't know the stats, but if you're going to throw it out there that they're uh, unfairly used, cite a stat rather than just Homer hurt feelings. Well, pleasant Friday evening to you, unnamed texter. <laughs> I, I always, uh, just as an aside here, and I don't want to be too argumentative, but I'm always, I'm always, I'm always a little mystified by people who text an Edmonton radio station and complain that we're talking about issues that affect Edmontonians or Edmonton sports teams. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Speaking of something going on in Edmonton, this is pretty cool. We're going to welcome Anthony Pisani to the show. Anthony, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good evening, Reed. I'm doing very well. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. So what, what do we got here? Is this the 25th annual Stan Gantar Hockey Tournament? Yes, this is the 25th Stan Gantar Memorial Hockey Tournament uh, hosted by Kilkenny Community League. What can you tell me about Stan, first of all? Stan was one of our founding members. He passed away in 1990. Uh, he was more renowned for coaching soccer than hockey, but he was always there with his boys and helping out and some community members said wouldn't it be nice to remember Stan so uh, in 1991 we had our first tournament and uh, it was hosted by Micromites and Tom Thumbs on top of the minor hockey week at that time we took a couple of years leave of absence and we brought it back in 1995 and since then it's been going most years. We did lose a, a couple of years due to uh, lack of teams or coordination and uh, it's been a strong tournament. We've had initiation through Bantam. Uh, regulations now are that we can only host novice through Bantam teams. Okay, so Anthony, I understand this tournament is being entirely played on outdoor rinks at the Kilkenny Community League. Have you been able to go ahead as planned through the snow? Yes. And how are you doing that? <laughs> well, uh, last night we had some interesting games. There were a few where the it was all quiet and we didn't have to fight through the snow other than clearing off before the game. And then uh, the snow arrived with a vengeance. And we did have a few situations where we had a game go into overtime, but uh, after the first minute they couldn't find the puck, so we called it a tie. And the final game we... Bid managed to play it out to a 2-1 game, but uh, it was uh, pretty heavy on the ice. So Okay, so you're fighting through it. And doesn't this go throughout most of next week into next weekend too? Yes, we have 64 games over 10 days of play. We're supposed to be quiet Monday night, but otherwise we play six games a night during the week. This weekend we have 19 games, and the final weekend's a lot quieter at this time based upon wrapping up the tournament. Okay, so uh, you're fighting through the weather, and I think it's going to keep snowing off and on for uh, for a few days, so you guys are definitely toughing it out. Has, has, is this the worst weather you've ever had for the tournament? 
We've had a very broad spectrum of weather. I remember opening night about five years ago. We were interviewed on TV with six millimeters of rain on the ice and a broken umbrella above us. So we've had it very hot and rainy and uh, extremely cold. We, we're very fortunate that our teams that come to participate are working with us. We have to schedule around their league play and their other uses of ice, but uh, we have had to push the tournament three or four days on occasion to, to make it finish. Okay. Well, it's really cool what you're doing, and you got a lot of teams and volunteers and organizers toughing it out in some less-than-ideal conditions. Anthony, thanks for getting in touch about this, and I hope everything goes well and uh, the weather allows you to get in the games as, as smoothly as possible. Again, Stan Ganter Memorial Hockey Tournament, 25th Annual at the Kilkennedy Community League Outdoor Rinks. Do you have a website people could check out? Uh, or just can... Google it? I've got a yeah. Google it, and there is a web page for schedule. But best to Google it. Right on, or and check, Stan- out the, check out the Kilkenny Community League website or Stan Gantar, G A N T A R. Anthony, thanks right. for checking in, man. I'll let you get back to the tournament. Really appreciate your time. Thank you much for taking the time to talk to us. Right on, Anthony Pisani checking in. Uh, that's awesome. They are uh, they're fighting through the tough snow conditions there, and he said obviously some trouble finding the puck a couple times last night, but they're getting all the games in. Anthony Pisani checking in. 25th annual Stan Gantar Hockey Tournament. We're going to be back with the hero of the NHL All Star Game from a couple of years ago, John Scott. When we return, 6:30, Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 6:30, Chad.